This is a Honky Tonk Man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. You are listening to... And you're listening to The Wrestler Review. Priceless. I'm Dylan Gott, and... That's me. I'm doing my Dennis Condry impression because we're doing the Dennis Condry Years of the Midnight Express today. And that was me being Dennis Condry, just just fucking a truck. Listen, introduce yourself, you stupid fuck. I'm jumping John Hastings because I'm jumping over boundaries. <laughs> and I'm dangerous, Dylan God. Why am I dangerous? Don't let me around your Facebook. I'll update your status to say you're gay. <laughs> 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 That's a prank. That's a prank that everyone thinks is bad. Not me. This is the Dennis Condry years of the Midnight Express. We'll be doing the Sweet Stan Lane years, the ones where he knows the karate years, as I call them, next week. Yeah, get ready. Oh, yeah. You you fucking can't. Oh, no, no. Oh, that was a really bad Jim Cornette. Ladies and gentlemen, what a fucking episode. I've been looking that forward to That was a Brendan Burns. You went for a Jim Cornette. And I did and a Brendan, Brendan Burns. Burns. Oh, even, yeah. Another loudmouth guy on a po- who refers to his podcast in conversation. <laughs> another guy who 3,000 people have heard this of. This is a neat. Like, I, Brendan's one of my dearest friends, but it's a niche pet peeve I have that a lot of my friends actually do. That have podcasts that are successful, that they will ask me, "Oh, did you listen to the podcast?" as way of updating me on their life. Yeah, I mean, it's the weird thing is if you have a podcast, then that's a just a surprising amount of the things that you do because it's a definable one thing you did that week. Because if you do stand up, people are like, "Oh, how have you been doing stand up?" You're like, "I don't know. I did nine shows this week." I can't remember any of them. <laughs> I've been doing this for over a decade. I didn't cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing particularly traumatizing or good happened this week, so it's just another week eating pussy. You know what I of mean? Of course, you do. Eat, you do congratulate yourself with a job well done at stand-up comedy by licking out someone, don't you? Yeah. Oh, Dylan, I meant to tell you. I meant to tell you this off pod. Also, I actively try and stop people who are in my life from listening to this show. Oh, for sure. Oh, you like I don't. I do not want my girlfriend ever to li- like to be li- literally. I it would be like if she discovered my angry porn drawer. Like John, <laughs> who is Barry Darso? Um, what do you mean? No, sweetie? the best thing is. Well, that's the best thing about uh, wrestling is that within the context of professional wrestling you can air any bizarre opinion you have as long as you've couched it with i'm doing this on a pro wrestling podcast because no one will ever hear it it's the audio equivalent of like a gay steam room in the 1920s like (laughs) everyone's listening and here but we will not speak of this outside of these headphones um what yeah if you look no further than eric bischoff's new podcast where i've listened to three episodes and all of them he's clearly just getting drunk (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course but i will say this if we're gonna go behind the curtains uh, by the way this week we're doing the midnight express i will say this about eric bischoff um, a lot of people binge listen to these uh, episodes, so uh, for this part, I I hope this isn't still true, but Eric Bischoff is so comfortable that he doesn't remember large parts of his life, it inspires me when I get that old. Because Bruce Pritchard clearly just is like, oh, this happened, and you're like, you're 63 years old, there's no way you fucking know that happened. 
Like, you can't remember breakfast, but you can remember specifically the conversation you had with Coco Beware and the Red Rooster before they went out that night. Like, get fucked. Yeah. And everyone's jumping on Bischoff like, oh, he doesn't remember. Like, no one remembers. This guy <laughs> this guy remembers how he formed the NWO. I assume he remembers jacking off at the Bash of the Beast Stadium, my favorite story <laughs> of all time. And then the rest of it is done. I like that he clearly, I really hope he was a swinger. Uh, in the 90s, and he had sex with Kimberly Page. <laughs> I mean, that would be a victory for short men everywhere. Oh my god, that would, be, that would be a victory for anyone who says, I do karate. Yeah, a guy who did karate to stop being bullied and clearly was bullied even harder. Yeah. He's like, oh, you think you know how to fight now? <laughs> I'm going to beat you up with this bat. Yeah, shove, <laughs> shove, fart in face, shove, shove. <laughs> Speaking of bullies, let's talk about the Midnight yes. Express. Yes. Um, yes. A couple of things. Randy Rose... Can I say something? Oh, Randy Rose speak on this. might be the Olale. He that might be the best alliteration in the history of pro wrestling. Because Randy Rose, when I hear the name Randy Rose, it paints such a picture of just a guy who's three times divorced and it was always that cunt's fault. Oh yeah, no. Let me the Midnight Express should have just been called the dudes your mom fucks when your dad's gone. <laughs> the guys who don't pay admission to go into the club, they just see who's the drunkest outside of it. Yeah. His name is Dennis Condry and he's gonna borrow some cigarettes. Um Dennis Condry. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Condry for sure had a link on some smokes. Why are you paying ten bucks a pack? I got a guy. Most of it's couch cushion, but it still tastes good. Most terrifying part about Dennis Condry. Yeah to me is that uh, when asked about how much Stan Lane fucked, Jim Cornette made it clear he went. Stan Lane fucked a lot, but Dennis was no slouch as well, as if to imply, like, Stan had sex because he was very pretty. Dennis had sex because that's what Dennis was there for. <laughs> Dennis was the Wayne Krebet of sex. He just tried a bit harder. He just was there, and he kept on doing it. This is a great... This Midnight Express, let's start, uh, the story begins obviously before the name the Midnight Express, but I do want to start off with this. How did they come up with the name the Midnight Express? Every single tag team in the 80s has the exact same story of how they did it. They were drinking and driving, mm -hmm. and they figured, hey, we drink and drive, let's do a tag team that's named after that. Now, it's very clear to me that obviously they took the name from the movie The Midnight Express. They don't want to say they that. They refuse to acknowledge that they did that, even though they then yes. used the theme of the movie as their theme song for years. Well, that's the thing about the, the like them saying they did this, is like, this is 1980, and these are redneck wrestlers, and the names they had worked under previously were things like The Super Pro, and... Uh, he tagged with Leon Baxter, a.k.a. Tarzan Baxter. Like, that's a reference to a TV show that had been off the air for 30 years now. But here's the thing. If, all right, if they actually named the team, it'd be called, like, 3 a.m. fuck men. Yeah. Or, like, late night drunk fat. Do doing coke and then calling you. <laughs> Why'd you leave me, Sharon? The tag team. Yeah. Alimony, more like I'm not gay. Yeah, exactly. I'm not pay. I'm not buying those kids a sandwich, let alone school. 
with Dennis Condry and Randy Rose. Yeah. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, a man whose response to child support was, my kids won't be no reds, Dennis Condry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's no way. they Pro wrestlers, I, I will say this, at this era, I can't imagine them not speaking, ex- ex- thinking extremely literal because they, all of these guys got into it thinking it was real. Like, what are the chances of coming up with a minute? Well, that's the other thing. Is there, I could be it's, wrong. It's a Southern tag team. It's a classic sort of Southern tag team. How you used to come up in the territory ranks would be you were put into a tag team for a few years to learn your craft. So you're doing half the amount of work as a single star. You'd also work a lot more because yeah. there was a lot of territories that that was a way to pop your town. It's a weird thing to understand, but the idea of a tag match, that was a unique specialty match. And it was also different than a singles match because singles match would be reserved for a title or something like that. But tag team was just sort of on the card, interesting. And then if you could stand out in that way, even fucking better. Randy Rosen, Dennis Condry, um, former team uh, in 1980 in uh, the Florida area. But weirdly, they're not wrestling in ch- for cha- yeah, for championship wrestling with Florida. They're kind of just in various sort of territories, including. Uh, SCW, which is Southeastern Championship Wrestling. I can't figure out where the fuck that would be if it's not Florida, but it's clearly not Championship Wrestling from Florida because they're with like Bob Fuller and Jimmy Golden and all these people that Eddie um, Graham, uh, or may I be more accurate, Mike Graham has gone on record to say he'd like to decapitate and then wave at because Mike Graham's a fucking maniac. Yeah, man, Mike Graham is still, I mean, we mentioned on the podcast tons of times, but the stories about how these new school kids are soft and then him describing why is because he would basically have one guy who actually knew catch wrestling on the roster just to like break their legs while he like essentially from hit you can fill in the blanks and said stood out stood on the outside while they uh, put them in a leg lock and just masturbated feverishly mm. my favorite thing about Mike Graham the boys getting hurt Mike Graham ah, is ah, uh, ah. he threatened to chop Chris Benoit's head off because Chris Benoit was like uh, I don't want to be working for the guy whose wife I stole I feel like he'll try and take advantage of me and Mike Graham was like he's the only one who likes you if I had it, if you did hit to him, uh, if you did to me what you did to him, I'd chop your fucking head off and have kids throw stones at it. <laughs> Yay, Mike Graham. Mike Graham. You thought Kelly Kelly was from Florida. Well, you're wrong, because Mike Graham is, and he's wearing a thong. He killed himself, <laughs> and no one was sad. He calls Hulk Hogan Terry, and that's bad. So... Night, uh, three years of the original Midnight Express, Dennis Condry and Randy Rose. And the thing is about these guys is they do mostly, this is a learner tag team for them. This wasn't really supposed to be anything more than just three years. And then you do the massive territory thing, which is yeah. they have a match against some baby faces and then they break up. It was, it was this podcast, the equivalent of this podcast for me. Really? Yeah. I don't. Well, we haven't hit three years yet. I'll dump you like fucking nothing. You will not. And I'll find my I'm, I will find I'm my Sean, sweet Stan Lane. Marty. I will find him. I will find him. I will find sweet Stan my Stan Lane, my darling Stan Lane, real Stan Lane. I'm gonna do this with Stan Lane. <laughs> I think you could get st- he's still alive. You'd, yeah, he definitely is. He's now a boat commentator. You definitely could get Stan Lane to do this. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, he's the voice he's the voice of boat racing. You know, we talk about people who landed on their feet post-wrestling, and that might be my favorite. Oh, it's the best. He Isn't just, it the best? He found a way to get money from a thing that's not a thing. Hey, uh, you know boats? Yeah? 
Do you want to hear me commentate on them? No. Give me money. All right. <laughs> How does that Here's work? Here's the thing with Stan Lane. Stan Lane is he's the jock. He's the jock that like he's the jock that also fucks. So all other jocks are like must respect him. All jocks fuck, buddy. No, 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 no. But in the spoken like a true nerd. Here's the thing with Stan Lane. Stan Lane is the only person that Ric Flair talks about how much sex he had. Like you're, it's like, whoa. <laughs> well, also, I mean, we're gonna get we'll get to this too early uh, since we're not speaking about sweet Stan and beautiful Bobby for a while. But uh, Ric Flair trained Stan Lane, yeah. and Stan Lane claims he's the only wrestler Ric Flair has ever trained. Yes, and not even his daughter. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, there's no way that Ashley Flair was going to let her daughter get that close to him. <laughs> How sad is Ric Flair's wi- uh, first wife that Charlotte is now at wrestling? But anyway. It's his second wife, and I hate that I know that. It's Reed. Uh, she's. Um, it's Reed. Yeah, it's yeah. Reed, uh, Reed and Ashley wife. were the second kids. Um, yeah. Yes, the woman who. Ca- the, cur- the first kids were. Dis. Yeah, the first kids oh. were David Flair and another woman whose name I can't remember. Megan? It's Megan Flair. And you can just you can just tell how much he clearly loves Charlotte more than David. You're not good at the thing I do. Get out of my yeah. island, baby. Oh, Woo. David Flair, you want to work for the law? The law arrests me when I don't pay for things. Woo. <laughs> He's like a southern dad when it's like, do you love me, daddy? Well, I don't know how to tell you this, but Tom Brady's better than you at football, so I actually love Tom Brady, <laughs> a man that I've never met, more than you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that my son thought he was LeBron James. Are you LeBron James? <laughs> I'm a I'm I'm a girl actually. I'm your daughter? No. I only had son. Let's do a roll call of some of the people they wrestled in the uh in night from 1980 to 1983. Dizzy Ed Hogan. Oh, yeah. How good is that name? It's so good, and I can't figure out if it's Ed Leslie or uh, Horace Hogan's dad, who later just died mysteriously. That's who I choose to believe Dizzy Ed Hogan is. Man, what I really like is uh, Dizzy Ed Ho- Imagine Dizzy Ed Hogan was like, his gimmick was that he's the best wrestler of all time, but he just has vertigo, so he just loses where he is and has to lie down, and then he gets mad. That's fantastic. That's fucking fantastic. And they're like, there's money in this. There's money. This is real. Anyway, that guy's got a big pinwheel hat on, and he's tired. Dizzy Ed Hogan. They also had some matches with the Mongolian Stomper Jr., and names like that are why I don't think they came up with the Midnight Express, and then the makers of that movie saw it and was like, "That's a good name for a movie." Mm-hmm. Clear, <laughs> like they would have just been like, "Hey, what was the what's the original name?" Uh, before they had stopped seeing that movie, for sure, their original tag team name was like, "How about I'm Bruiser Brody times two Junior?" Yeah, and they were like, "We're going with that." Unless you pick it than We're double plus good, Big Dick Four Twenty. There were four names we could have done: Bruiser Brody times two. Uh, Stan, not Hanson, times two, Star Wars, the tag team of the Midnight Express. (laughs) We came up with Star Wars. It was just an accident. Star Wars was something that Mike Graham came up with. Um, I'm really a big fan of Star Wars, the tag team. (laughs) They uh, feuded with uh, Ken Lucas and Eddie Boulder. And then... Who is Eddie Boulder? Who is Eddie Boulder? Is that Horace? It said Leslie. It's Bruce Department. That's really good. Really couldn't even be argued that 
his all of his success is tied directly to Hulk Hogan. All of it. All of it. And by by the way, 1983, the original Midnight Express, uh, after a final feud with Jimmy Golden and Rob Fuller, oh, that ring must have smelled like cigarettes and just for men. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can we do one of those English rules? Because we need smoke every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another smoke break. Oh. Uh, uh, Dennis Condry's just got his dick out. You know what that means? He's drunk enough to think the <laughs> ring post's a woman. <laughs> You're thin and short. I like yeah, that. You don't seem to have the ability to consent, which is something I am into. Oh, my God. You're blue like one of them Smurfs I want to fuss. <laughs> uh, and then it's Midsummer Wrestling. They are working for Bill Watts at the height of his power, which means the junkyard. Oh, I, we got to. No, no. I just want to cover this uh, right quick. Uh, they disbanded after losing to the Armstrongs, Brad and Scott. Now, if you are in your early 30s, it is so hard to imagine Scott Armstrong winning a match, let alone beating what would go on to be one of the greatest tag team legacies of all time. Crazy. And then he did leave for uh, Bill Watts um, and Austin uh, le- left with Rose Staying in SCW. Sorry, I gotta redo that. Randy Rose uh, left, uh, was staying with SCW because it's the South, and he teamed with his cousin Pat. Goddamn right. So let's talk about Bill Watts, baby. Bill Watts was wearing a cowboy hat and having sex with women that are not his wife, and he does a talent trade with Memphis, uh, Jerry Jarrett in particular, in which he got Bobby Eaton and Jim Cornette. He put... Uh, Bobby Eaton with uh, Dennis Condry and used Jim Cornette's already pre-existing gimmick of being um, the son of a very wealthy woman so he's spoiled rotten and he creates the Midnight Express um, that we uh, know knew and loved. Now Jim Cornette served as both the on-screen and off-screen manager for the Midnight Express. He would book hotels he was the person in charge of the money. He negotiated all their deals with various uh, territorial uh, with various territories it's fucking crazy uh, Bill saw Genius and Jim Cornette right away, according to Jim Ross, and totally wanted him, um, and uses it perfectly. Uh, Jim Cornette uh, loved Dennis Condry's work from him being a kid, um, and then he uh, added, of course, the Loverboy nickname and Beautiful Bobby. He started doing these ring entrances uh, by him announcing them to the ring, and they'd come out all cocky. And they got over this very sort of weird heel way of that were basically, they were badass, badass pieces of shit. Yes. So they're way more true to the original drop of the angle because it's Bobby Eaton, who's super fresh-faced, along with Jim Cornette, and their gimmick morphs from the Midnight Express, the the fucking weirdos who don't dance at the club and just wait to hit on your woman, to basically these fucking rich kids, and that guy who's clearly taking advantage of the rich kids. Yeah, like it's yeah, that's a very good. It's like the bad guys from Caddyshack and the dude who works at the parking lot. And I think that's one of the things as we move along in talking about the Midnight Express that keeps them so fresh is that when they lose Dennis Condry, they don't try and get another Dennis Condry type. They move right on to Stan Lane, who was a very successful babyface in his own right before this. They always are switching up the look and the feel of the team 
which is also why we will talk. We're going to talk about the new Midnight Express, and it's going to be muy bueno. Well, it's also they do an amazing thing with the Midnight by having Jim Cornette being this spoiled, rotten piece of shit. It also yeah. gives them an out. So anytime they they add something or change something, it's because Jim Cornette's mom told him to do it. I really do like that idea of attack. Like one of my favorite things about the Midnight Express is. In 1990, it falls apart, but for 10 years, they have this look, this idea behind them that the Midnight Express is like a sports franchise and everything's moving pieces. I don't know how you would actually do it because you'd honestly, honest to God, need an owner who's like a character, an owner above Jim Cornette. But if like the manager is essentially the coach and the players are, you know, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton uh stan lane randy rose like i really really like that idea because you didn't that's what the other thing about the new midnight express you didn't need to put the word new because you've already had so many versions of them they're just the midnight express now you know and maybe you have a new coach but you need you need those transitional storylines that they just didn't have yeah very and it's it's, it's but also Cornette's like one of the best managers of all time and how i mean we shit on the man a lot because he's a legit criminal uh, but <laughs> Jerry Lawler, how good an eye for talent do Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett oh, have for managers? Like, listen, Whippleman, Jerry Lawler brings Jimmy Hart, his skills. Jim Cornette, Jim, Jerry Lawler br- brings his grooming skills to the wrestling ring. Make no bones about it. <laughs> do you think Jerry Jerry Lawler just hangs out at the nearest Burger King and sees who disagrees most vehemently with their order being fucked up and goes, "Have you ever thought of being a rat manager in pro wrestling?" Because <laughs> Could you not envision all four of those men losing their fucking shit when they get a goddamn fries instead of onion rings, even though onion rings are better? Uh, Jim Cornette strikes me as the kind of guy who's gone into a Burger King just to let them know that Burger King is not a quality restaurant. (laughs) You fucking cunts, why the fuck aren't you a Wendy's? I love how they basically get around saying, like, Jim Cornette's the kind of guy people in the South didn't like, uh, which, not to be completely stereotypical, but I essentially glean means he wore glasses and he believed in universal health care. Well, no, because what Jim Cornette is, is Jim Cornette something called a Dixie Democrat. So what's what's weird about super boring for most people, but I'll get it done in a sentence, is the- Let's go! Boring. Boring. The Democratic Party is the Southern Party of the United States. The Democratic Party was opposed to... Um, uh, abolition of slavery, all that sort of stuff, but are also a much more left-wing party because the South is the is where all of the work was done. It's where there was coal mining, so you needed a union, and it's where all the paper was made, so you need unions. So there's a lot of people that grew up there that were raised under the idea of trade unionism and all that sort of stuff that wasn't crushed as it was as quickly in the north of the United States. But what's weird is it's been then combined with Christianity and has been converted to like all these Republican ideals. Like, the thing is, the Republican Party is the party of the North. Like they're the party of like New York City coming in here with your business. Whereas Democrats are the, the you know, like we unite under one and we're all the same and all that sort of stuff is much more of an idea of the South. And Jim Cornette's dad was the news. He was the guy who owned the newspaper in Louisville. Like, n- make no mistake, Jim Cornette is also a rich kid. Like he's, I, he probably needed to work, but not that hard. Like for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's why he could so easily get into wrestling and he's so he's probably honestly already used to screaming at you know screaming at people about what the real what's really happening in the world and then he just converted that to screaming about 
Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry very, very well. It's cr- it's amazing to me that he isn't a conspiracy theorist. Like it's actually a credit to him as a man that he's not like, let me fucking tell you, you fucking cunt. It's so weird to be. <laughs> it's weird to just be very leftist, but also like, if someone does a suplex, that's too fucking showy. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, someone with the razzmatazz, you fucking cunt. <laughs> so the first incarnation of. And this is crazy because it comes almost full circle. If you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, the first, uh, the second incarnation has their first match, recorded match at least, the rec- uh, recorded result uh, as being against Lanny Poffo and Rick Rude. Woo! What a weird ring that is. Yeah, <laughs> that ring is greasy, but no one's put oil on. You know what I mean? Uh, the referee at one point turned to the timekeeper and said, "Let's just hope that's mayonnaise in the ring." <laughs> And then say what you will about Bill Watts being a absolutely unquestionably abysmal person, but he loved Cornette and uh, immediately puts the Midnights in a feud with uh, JYD. Uh, they get over. They are allowed to attack Bill Watts and bloody him up, leading to a Bill Watts comeback match. Of course, he's big in that territory. Boy, is he! And. He also was the one who started the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express feud, which wouldn't heat up really until they were in Crockett. But this is essentially the foundation for them um, moving forward, drawing a ton of money. And how does the feud start? Because honestly, it's so hard not to tell who is the heel and the babyface in this. But essentially, the Midnight Express... Win the tag team titles. They throw a party like everyone would when they won a title, but the Rock and Roll Express fucking hate that. And they come out and beat the shit out of them. Great. That's crazy. And also they shove Jim Cornette's face in a cake. Yeah. And that is, that's the a great example of like, if the crowd doesn't like you, anything you do is heelish. Oh, it's fucking insane. Yeah. And they talk about how because and also, they were super heels. No, you go. Speak on this, John. Olale. Uh, what's also crazy is that the Midnight Express were such big heels. They were escorted to the ring or to the arena by police officers. Jim Cornette couldn't go out at night. Uh, and uh, then, as it turned out, also uh, the police had to stop protecting them because the police kept getting beaten up. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Like, the Bill Watts, when they start feuding with Bill Watts, this is when Cornette's like, we're entering death threat territory. Like, this is bad. Like, Cornette knows things are about to get fucking weird. But another brilliant thing Cornette talks about is, since they're such super heels, when Dennis Condry leaves and Stan Lane comes in, he says there is no fan who thought, man, I really want to see Dennis Condry. They're they're fucking assholes. And clearly the star of the team is cornet anyway so cornet's still there so who cares yeah it's interesting that this the cornet is very much the the reason to watch the midnight express it's odd because it doesn't yeah. take away from it but it's this built-in thing of like i want them to lose because i want that guy to get beaten up. it's just fucking perfect it's just a lovely setup yeah and it's odd that like a whole person is essentially like the midnight express were good but Essentially, it's the same thing as, obviously not on the grand scale, but Stone Cold Steve Austin was good. Like, Steve Austin was good, Stone Cold Steve Austin was amazing, and Jim Cornette is just that thing that makes them become absolutely one of the top heels and most successful tag teams of the 1980s 
while still maintaining that they uh, steal cigarettes from kids when they're not looking. Bear in mind, this is how big of heels they were. Um, there was a ride outside the Superdome. Uh, Bill Watts' Rolls Royce ended up getting destroyed by rocks. Uh, a bunch of fans uh, fought the police in front of a police station. Um, they were all nearly stabbed a few times. Uh, Jim Ross took to, uh, had a horseshoe thrown at him. A fucking horseshoe. <laughs> You're in the South, baby. He also either, this is my favorite one personally, either uh, someone vomited on him on command. Uh, That's Or correct. someone brought, brought. I believe there's that widespread indigestion there. Or, so, or, <laughs> or someone brought vomit in a bag and threw it at his leg. <laughs> I will. Like, either way, I'm happy. Like Either way, I'm like, that's a fucking, that is a result. <laughs> John, I have a question for you. Would you. Do you think you'd like the, maybe I'm speaking to myself exclusively, but do you like the idea of going to a pro wrestling show in the 80s in the South, or would you actually like to go? I would like to go. I'd like to go. I'd like to see it. Yeah, because I guess fans don't attack other fans, but I just want to lay eyes on some of these people where they have stories where it's like, he brought his whole dog's shit from the last year to the matches just so he could throw it at Hercules Hernandez. Yeah. That old woman. Like, who's watching TV every week like, you shit, Bessie, because Hercules is going to get it. <laughs> he's too Spanish. He's too muscular. He's making me think thing. I, oh, God. I just wanted to see, like, people's reaction to the junkyard dog being blinded and a guy coming out and then just taking out a gun. Like, it's just like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, man. I mean, I get it. Because, like, they say in the North that people would play along. Like, they all know it's fake. But they would play along and have fun. But I genuinely believe people in the South, like, played along to the point where they were, like, actually pissed. They're like, yeah, I know it's a show. But what that guy just did was real. Like, that guy's a real piece of shit. And he must die for his sins. That's very funny. <laughs> Crazy. It's really great. Um, and Jim Cornette is obviously, he's he starts actually uh, managing Hercules Hernandez at some point. Uh, a lot of hair versus hair matches, like uh, Duggan and Hercules have a hair versus hair match, um, and Cornette, like Cornette's a star. Uh, make no mistake, he's branching out and managing other teams. Um, and uh, there's a great story of a fan uh, mugging off Dennis Condry. Condry tries to throw a punch into the uh, car, but the fan does up his windshield and starts driving away. But Jim Cornette luckily is in his car, cuts the guy off, so he can undo the windshield because he would have murdered Dennis Condry. Oh yeah, no, they, they the fans wanted to chop their fucking heads off. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's what it's the so, contributing factor to why they eventually leave and they go to uh, WCCW, the Von Erics, um, and. Uh, Basically, what happens is they get there, and they're used to the fucking craziness, complicated finishes of Bill Watts, this amazing booking. They get to the fucking WCCW, and it's like, well, the Von Erichs are on coke and no talking. Uh, they also uh, Yeah, it's just Jim basically Cornette like we put a lot of thought on Also, the in yeah. a theme that will flag him for the rest of his life, thought the booker was a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and that he also didn't know they were being traded to WCCW because they were already in talks with Crockett. They stayed there for uh, six months. Um, and then headed off to, uh, JCCP main highlights were Jim Cornette watched the match where Kerry Von Eric was on so many downers. Um, he fell asleep in his car while his theme music played 
and Ric Flair literally wrestled himself while Kenny uh, Kerry Von Erich uh, wrestled with both of his boots untied. <laughs> well, that was the whole thing. Everyone in that territory has the exact same story. Why weren't we working with the Von Erichs? And the Midnight Express definitely wanted to work with... Uh, I don't think you could have put the Midnight... If you put the Midnight... They drove the Freebirds into the ground. If you Go put the it, yeah. Midnight Express with the Von Erichs, the Von Erichs would have looked like pieces of shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Von Erichs would have looked like pieces of shit. How so? Because the Midnight Express would have just beaten them up. They would have just straight up beaten them up. Like The thing with the, the Midnight Express fucking worked stiff. Stiff like my dick, not like your dick. So the way they worked was actually very hard. Not stiff. <laughs> oh, yeah, yo, yo. We didn't mention this, though. Uh, before we go to break, I want to mention this because we glossed this over. But the original Midnight Express, we're talking about uh, Condry and Rose, also uh, were teaming with Novell Austin. And the way they won a lot of their first tag matches was under the Freebird rule, essentially. There were three Midnight Express members, and any of them could compete in the match at any time. Or, sorry, any of them could defend the titles, sorry. Like, they couldn't switch in and out once the match started. Which, once again, they were named after a goddamn movie, and they were supposed to be the Freebirds. They were just three great workers who were supposed to be the Freebirds. YOLO, YOLO, YOLO. So, that was a good first half. Join us for the second half. I'm a robot now. Hey, Dylan, we'd rather do this break really fast. Go. Okay, uh, please rate, subscribe to the Wrestler Review. And we have websites. Please buy our albums off our websites. TheJohnHastings.com and DylanNagot.com. The A is for attentive. This is the Jim Crockett. This is the first time they're in Jim Crockett feuding with the Midnight Express. Why do you think this, like Bill Watts was good, WCCW they were just kind of like a yeah, mid-card team. They work with some people. They didn't really have that many storylines or that much direction. Why do you think people remember this Jim Crockett run so fondly? Is it anything other than just the TV platform? It's the TV platform. It's also the Rock and Roll Express feud is so fucking crazy here. Uh, it's also the Road War. Like The Midnight Express are the first team to get legitimate wins and injure the Road Warriors. Like they're, No other team... Uh, like, it's them and the New Age Outlaws yeah, that do true. that. Like true. it's fucking crazy. It's also the packaging of this is when Jim Cornette is the most Jim Cornette he has ever been. He's in a fucking captain's hat. He's screaming at people. <laughs> That's actually a very, very good analogy, I would say. I mean, not work wise. Obviously the Midnight Express are one of the best pure pro wrestling performance tag teams of all time. Uncut. They're the most they're the best untrimmed natural tag teams of all time they, but they are the uncircumcised cock of pro wrestling tag teams smooth <laughs> lubed and dangerous <laughs> dangerous yeah the loads are bigger if you're uncut that's not true it's true that's why my loads are so that's much not. bigger than yours no it's not yeah it is i last long and then at the end i produce staggering <laughs> unseen amounts of cum. we both know you smoke cigarettes and i have recently quit smoking cigarettes which means my dick gets harder and my loads are fatter it's impossible to have a harder dick than mine yeah it is not impossible it's very possible cigarettes are what i need to not get erect literally at the rate of a 12 year old boy Oh, because you're so horny for 12-year-old boys. Dylan is a pedophile. No, I'm not. Oh, really? I'm just saying. Then why do you why I'm do you saying. why do you own it's it's good to be the king by Jerry Lawler? 
John. No, you're not. John, I edit no, this. Not. I'm going to make it like you said, I'm a pedophile, and then I'm going to laugh. And that's a whole episode. This is our two-part series on the Midnight Express. <laughs> I'm a pedophile. I'm a pedophile. That's you. Ha, ha, ha. Me being like... All oh, of no, this is Dylan Gott. Dylan Gott. Dylan Gott. The Midnight, yes. No, you weren't rudely interrupted. I was just using the truth. What I was going to say before I was rudely interrupted, Rick rudely interrupted... Yeah, actually, I would agree. Yeah, they're fucking... These two assholes that shouldn't... They don't look like... They're, especially the Condra years, it's like, neither one of these men are athletes. They both look tired. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I'll be honest. I loosely understand how you look oh, yeah. at Bobby Eaton and think he's a heel. Like, Dennis Condry, you look at that guy and you're like, that's a fucking asshole. You look at Jim Cornette, that's a fucking asshole. But you look at Bobby Eaton and you're like, that fat kid is hanging out with that grown man? I think he's grooming him. There's <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Sir, you're being influenced negatively. <laughs> yeah. But... Beautiful Bobby Eaton, uh, I mean, universally known as one of the best workers uh, of all time. He just had no, he just didn't have that thing that could make him be a good singles. And he's very agile and Condry, uh, like Jim Cornette thinks that Condry is the greatest worker of all time because yeah. he has the punch kick Southern style. Uh, but the thing with it that's very interesting them as a tag team though is, I've watched a lot of the matches. I can't ever remember them working together. This is, goes to your New Age Outlaws. Like, it's a lot of it's like one of them punches and kicks, the other one punches and kicks, the one of them punches and kicks, the other one punches and kicks. It's a very separate style, and then it comes together at the end for the weird throwing of Bobby Eaton onto people. It's very interesting. Like, it's just bizarre. It's also, they, they come in at this <laughs> weird time where they're also yeah. separate from the other heels. They're never part of the horsemen. They're kind of just overdoing their own thing. Um, and they have fucking Jim Cornette. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, but that's the whole thing, right? Like, you say they never are in the Horsemen. It's a weird... To have two... I would say the Midnight Express actually are the pure, over-the-top, actual heels in this company. Because as we talked about pretty extensively in other episodes... The horsemen were essentially baby faces. Like, they had NWO heat. Like, that's the funny thing I always thought about the four horsemen, was why Ric Flair hated the NWO so much, is because they also were cool heels, the four horsemen were. Like, people would show up to the TV tapings and sit at the hard camera, and there'd be, like, five guys in suits throwing up the four fingers, you know? That's, yeah, that's a very good point, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're just the NWO of the 80s, whereas the Midnight Express are the 100% these are heels even apart from the major top storyline. I would venture to say, I mean, I mean, Raven had some, like, Raven had some fans, obviously, being from ECW, but it's more of a, I mean, I guess you had to be there, but like a 1997-98 Raven feel where everyone just fucking hates this whiny asshole. Yeah, wow, that's a fucking interesting analogy. Well, you're so smart, and by that I mean you've copied all my ideas. I'm cut, and I'm ready to fuck. Interesting. Uh, I'm double cut. It's abs and dick. Hey, you it's amazing also they come into Crockett and unlike sort of mid-south other places. Oh, sorry. It's too much of my cum in your body. You just need some out. Oh, I see what you did there. That's toxic. You're the Harvey Weinstein of the podcast. I'm the Gloria Allred. They come with the taste of my lips. I'm on a rush. 
like that you mean your toxic tongue slipping under um midnight express um come in and they are immediately (laughs) um much like john they come immediately (laughs) (laughs) that was great that was good stuff you can use that you can use that in your act i do start talking about the midnight express and say they came immediately and then leave the stage yeah i'm i'm the midnight express the midnight express arrives comes immediately and then leaves midnight express yeah, there comes you go. in um, in 1985. Immediately are just put into the whole thing as a big tag team to go against Jimmy Valiant and Ron Garvin in an Atlanta street fight in St- at Starcade in 85. Then they begin again with the feud between the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express in 86 um, with Cornette and the Midnights just basically attacking the Rock and Roll Express. And they just have 10 months of fucking crazy feuding, which also stops and starts again. Much like the Raven-Tommy Dreamer feud, other teams come in for a bit as sort of satellite feuds, but this is the main fucking feud. They constantly start riots. They constantly have problems with fan interaction because basically the Rock and Roll Express so looking like they were beating up little bitches that the Rock and Roll Express, or the Midnight Express became monsters in the eyes of these fucking Southern people. Yeah, and it's it's hard to comprehend... Watching these matches is hard to comprehend how this all worked, I will say. Because you hear people going nuts. But when you watch it, it's just pro wrestling. And this is how, I guess, this is how straight ahead the formula for pro wrestling is laid out. You know what I mean? Like, and I guess, how would you explain it without sounding like a complete piece of shit? This is tag team wrestling. Like, this is basically how tag team wrestling from this point on until right now has worked and it's because of this feud like every time you see a baby face just sell and then hot tag it wasn't invented by these guys i'm sure but it was certainly perfected and it's why every tag match is like this because you can't come up with a better formula essentially that will grab the crowd this way Ooh, good point only it's terrible in every way. Uh, also, by the way, Ricky Morton got hit in the throat with the tennis racket by Jim Cornette and sold it by not talking for an entire month. Like, they also just did crazy exactly. k fucking insane things. Um, right. But the big thing that I also, that I got to come back to is, it's Jim Cornette. And Jim Cornette, it, without Jim Cornette being on the mic for the Midnight Express, this entire feud would be four dudes who should work out more. <laughs> I still think it'd be great. No. Just because the Rock and Roll Express were very over, and I also think you're not giving Robert Gibson the amount of credit that he deserves for also being a very, very good person. Is it, which one is... I still don't know who which one is. Robert Gibson's the blonde one, or the... Or- I'll let you on a little trade secret, John. When the words left my mouth, I immediately Googled Robert Gibson <laughs> to see uh, which one it is, because I also get confused. People talk about the Marty Jannetty effect. I mean Ricky Morton. There we go. <laughs> I totally mean Ricky Morton. I don't mean old old drifter eye. Yeah, which guy's eye looks like how uh, they treat women? Robert. Good. People talk about the Jannetty effect, as I was saying, but it's actually way more confusing when there's no Jannetty effect and they just stay together. Because <laughs> then you just get confused. Oh, yeah. No, I get fucking... Like, I just can't, yeah, no, it's, I don't, not only do I not know which one's which, I don't care, because this is all of their shoot interviews and promos. Um, Kevin Nash, piece of shit. That's it. (laughs) 
I used to sell merch. Now I sell cigarettes after the show. When the feud ends, the one thing is they don't really blow off. It's basically just like the feud ends and they move on to feuding with Dusty and Magnum. They then are brought in and given the job to eliminate the Road Warriors so the Road Warriors could go on a Japanese tour. Now, this is fucking... You have to understand, this is the Road Warriors' first run. At the end of their first run, which is basically... Um, we are two Goldbergs. Yeah, they're, yeah we're both Goldberg, uh, and we're fucking crazy, and they have them uh, beat, beat up the fucking Road Warriors and send them away. The Road Warriors return by throwing pumpkins off of uh, a roof and say that they are challenging them to a scaffold match. They have a scaffold match in 1986 where Jim Cornette destroys both of his knees because he doesn't know how to use a fucking scaffold. Keep in mind, they brought the scaffold down from its original height because Dusty Rhodes wanted to be the tallest scaffold in the entire world. Bye-bye. Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton both re- basically refuse to talk about the match and Jim Cornette, doing the opposite, all he does is talk about the fucking match and how... Everyone involved is a piece of literal shit. Well, I would also agree, because apparently they were supposed to have this match with the Rock and Roll Express, but the Rock and Roll Express said no, because, I mean, they're say what you will about wh- what these guys look like and who they, you know what I mean? You can make all the jokes you want about a guy who has, like, a mullet rat tail at 60 years old, but at least he wasn't, like, getting just <laughs> bullied into doing a scaffold match for no reason. He was like, no, get fucked. Road Warriors can do this shit. And also, why do you have a scaffold match in the first place? I love that. Like, I don't understand the point of a scaffold match. I can't like I don't I can't understand where the idea even begins. You know wrestling? Let's do everything that isn't that. Yeah, like just fight on top of a high thing. Because the whole theater is someone's gonna fall off the fucking scaffold, but you always blue ball people. Like it's never what you would think a scaffold match is, which is Essentially, actually, what Brian Lee and Tommy Dreamer do, where there's a scaffold and one guy actually falls completely off the scaffold. And you're just watching for five minutes, basically hoping neither guy dies. So there's that, or sorry, neither of the four guys die. So there's that tension to it. But other than that, it's just like some guys are standing where painters are and the punching for some reason and it's feasible that four men could die right now what a fun time yeah it's like it's like uh it's like they're sending a message to the road crew like if you guys unionize this is what we do to you <laughs> but road warriors uh versus the midnight express of course by this time um a little jobber by the name of ray trailer has risen up the ranks because of old dusty roads it's still unfathomable to me that they would be like, hey, who's this jobber? Uh, he's 6'6 six, six and 300 pounds and he's really agile. All right, he's just a jobber. Like the, the fact they would think that. But he's Big Bubba now. Of course, uh, Big Bubba misses catching Jim Cornette. And that's how he blows out both ACLs. If you watch it, it is terrifying. It's fucked, man. It's so fucked. And also, Jim Cornette landed in Big Bubba's arms and began saying... Uh knees knees i'm shooting shooting which is a signal get me out of the ring i'm hurt uh big bubba thought he had said i'm shitting i'm shitting (laughs) oh yeah yes and stayed away from him and i i gotta tell you (laughs) i'm right there with big bubba right there like what you're you shit yourself you're on your own fucko (laughs) um now the main problem is how Jim Cornette. Oh, and by the way, this was not the last time they did this match. They then went on to do it over a hundred times. 
It's so weird. Because I guess that the whole lure is, I it must be the same thing as, because uh, I can only go off initial feeling. You can watch a match a thousand times, but you'll never get that initial feeling of actually being there watching the match the first time because you already know what happened. So I imagine it's the same lure as that Undertaker-Shane McMahon match from WrestleMania where it's like, oh, Shane's going to jump off a thing. And let's all hope he's not dead. I hated that match for exactly the same reason uh, our friend Alex Wood thought it was good. It was so by the numbers at this point. That's why I think the scaffold match was so different is you couldn't believe that the Road Warriors were climbing up these ladders. So you had to go see it live. Oh, my God. But it's also like, but there's no, there's nothing to it. Like the scaffold match is one of the, it's so weird that people like Jim Cornette will be like wrestling now is ridiculous because they're doing some dick spots, but they did the fucking scaffold match. Well, that's the whole thing about the having the Road Warriors in it specifically, is I would argue it's really detrimental to their characters because if you have the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express, say what you will about both those tag teams, but their characters are, these are human beings that are shitheads. Now, the Road Warriors character are, these two monsters can, are untouched by pain and fear, and then you see Animal and Hawk on a scaffold, and they're clearly scared shitless and just essentially like terrified up there and that now humanizes them which is the worst thing you can do for characters like that and the other thing the road war it the other thing is like these normal soft-bodied losers the midnight express are going over a tag team and it seems like it sounds weird but the road warriors had a great look but it seemed like they had like the greatest look of all time because they weren't also just surrounded they weren't in that glut of WWF talent, right? They were the only guys with those WWF A plus looks in Crockett. So it was a it was a great feud, and then of course they uh, start feuding with the New Breed because they've been doing that gimmick for a very long time. They start feuding with Gangrel and Edge from the past. What are you talking? They also have. It's also at this time they feud with the new breed, uh, and also they go on a sabbatical. No, they go on a secret meeting with uh, Vince McMahon, Ernie Ladd, who knew them from uh, Mid South, called and said, "We want you uh, to come uh, meet Vince McMahon." They flew very early in the morning, uh, so as not to be asked where they were going uh, from Charlotte, only to be met at the airport by. Tully Blanchard's brother who worked at the Charlotte airport. <laughs> of course, the Blanchards have a long history of working at the airport. Of course they do. Like be, it key, <laughs> be it kiosk or guy who's looking to get in security, but he's too excited so they won't lie. Yeah. Oh, is that a baggage handler who clearly is just smuggling cocaine? One of them must be one of the Blanchard boys. <laughs> Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to search you again, uh, Bob Blanchard. You do that to every woman. I just want to see what they have in their bags. Now, what's very interesting, especially about the Midnight Express, it's a similar experience to when the Rock and Roll spoke to Vince McMahon, which is a they weren't willing to they weren't really interested in going because they were on top. They owed responsibility to Crockett, and they felt a sense of duty. They also didn't understand things like the dolls. Which Vince McMahon really pitched being like, we're going to make figures of you. You're going to be a big deal. Uh, and then we're like, no, but we're heels. You can't get dolls of heels. And they're like, he's like, yeah, you can. Dolls of everybody. And apparently Jim Cornette thought it was the stupidest thing ever until he heard that the Iron Sheik made 90 grand one year after uh, off having a figurine. And then he was like, motherfucking shit fuck. Well, that's the whole thing about this meeting is 
you can look at it this way is that the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express are both doing work that they really like. They really, really like what they're doing in the ring. Like they're really satisfied uh, as performers versus going to the WWF would have just been a pure commerce move. Like they would have two years, they would have feuded with like Strike Force and all those guys and done some like, all right, matches, but. Mostly it would have just been to get fucking payoffs and work 300 times a year and do the doll thing, right? Um, so they they were young and they even Cornette was young. Like if Cornette was older, if it was Corn if it was Jim Cornette in 1997 and instead in 1987, I'm sure he would have picked the fucking dolls. But see, I don't know if he you know these young guys. I actually don't know if he would have because he's a fucking wacko. Yeah, it's true. He did do Smoky Mountain and then had to go to WWF. Like he always wants to do. Southern wrestling, right? You know, yeah, it's all he wants. It really is. Like he loves, he loves a goddamn union. He loves some fucking universal health care, and uh, he wants someone named Bob to stab someone named Neil with a fork <laughs> in a high school gym. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Jim Cornette likes. This guy's name is Doug, and he ha- his he's gonna face you in a I got a gun on a gun match. The gun <laughs> is a gun. Yeah, no, he wouldn't actually ever do that. That's way too fucking crazy. But you, you understand what I, from once I speak. Uh, so let's talk about th- the final episode. The final, sorry, the final part of our Midnight Express Dennis Condry episode. Uh, is Dennis Condry disappears? <laughs> is there a man who looks more like he would just go out for smokes and never come back than Dennis Condry? No. No man is more definitely going to do that sort of thing than Dennis Condre. Just a fat guy with a bandana around his neck. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) He's taking his Ford whatever to the store forever. Hi, my name's Dennis. I am uh, not your dad. Yeah, you are. Fuck you. (laughs) Your dad's Craig now. Bye-bye. Yeah, your dad's whoever isn't me. All right, no, don't use my number. (laughs) Basically, Dennis Condry wanted to go to the WWE. No, he now he claim no 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 he claims he now wanted to go to the WWF. Um, Jim Cornette says that that's absolute bullshit, and him just trying to get himself over afterwards. He basically just says Dennis Condry just was fucking done, and just fucking took off one day, and eventually, and then in 2004 explained he went to Denver. Like there's like a lot of the fucking shit. Old Denny Condre says is absolute khaki poopy pop pop pee pies. I would believe that totally. Like you're working so much here, and you have been working for over ten years just on the road. That apparently he meets a nice nice lady, and he wants to settle down, and he does for a year and a half, and that uh, eventually, I'm sure, falls apart due to his uh, cheating with someone who's terrifying looking. Yeah, like I assume he cheated on her with someone who like. My brother owns a gun. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, he just he he, he just sabotaged the relationship because he's born a rambling man, goddamn. <laughs> but that's essentially the whole thing is he's just fucking. He just meets somebody and he wants to sit on his couch for a year and a half and enjoy his money instead of just being like, "What's your diet?" Uh, my diet is soda pop and whatever they throw in the garbage at the end of the show. I eat a lot of rappers. Sometimes it started out as buns, but now I'm just addicted to tinfoil. Yeah. I I have what the doctors call a metal deposit in my brain so large it's actually affecting my goo. <laughs> 
So after Dennis disappears, uh, this is the craziest thing about wrestling: is Dennis disappears, and his dear friends and colleagues are like, "Well, could look for him. Nah, we'll just replace him with a pretty boy." But that's how wrestling worked back then. How, I got like, news for you. It's, it's how, just the carnival. No, 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 but it's how wrestling. I guess he took his bindle and he's heading. Yeah, but Dylan, it's how wrestling works now. Owen Hart died. Do we stop this pay per view? No, the Undertaker's got to win the belt. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, man, the show must go on, brah. Mar- Godfather, pin him. One, two, three. All right. <laughs> I still. We must protect the title at all costs. I still feel like that they did. They did do that. They wanted to do that. The Godfather. <laughs> they told me to do it like it's a shoot, so I counted a ten. Godfather wins what now is a last man standing match. So, uh, there's people suggested to replace. Dennis Condry, uh, Tim Horner. Oh, God. Future Smoky Mountain Wrestling Champion, Tom Pritchard. Also, t- uh, Tim Horner, by the way, one of the people uh, uh, one of the people responsible for Jim Cornette having a criminal record. Why? Threatened to murder cool. him. Cool. Why? Uh, he, uh, Tim Horner was having sex with Jim Cornette's secretary in Smoky Mountain, and Jim Cornette felt that cost him money. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to imagine Jim Cornette having a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is the most unbelievable By part secretary, of the story. does he mean, like, just lady he got coffee from at Dunkin' Donuts and then just called his secretary? Yeah. Like, I assume that's what it was. It's the woman from the Wendy's video. Can you file this for me? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> you fucking cat, you want a kiss? <laughs> so, they decide on Sweet Stanley Lane, who was a baby face in The Fabulous Ones, basically returning to the formula of the old Midnight Express, uh, which was you turn a baby face heel and he goes with the evil uh, two others that this time, instead of uh, Dennis Conner and Randy Rose, it's now Jim Cornette and Bobby Eaton. Uh, Big Bubba is now, they're now distancing him from the package because as we will find out, the Midnight Express are about to, it's kind of a new lease on life for them and their feud with the Rock and Roll Express. And... Stan Lane's too pretty and knows too much karate, and we're about to get some baby faces. Some more on that next week. But John, what's your favorite thing about the Midnight Express? This version of the Midnight Express, I've got to say it, their look for 80s heels is perfect. We're new in town. We do it without condoms. Uh, <laughs> I would like a sandwich. Yeah, I, lo- I think that they have the best look. For having no gimmick whatsoever, the best look in as heels in the 80s. I really like that. Uh, I think it really does add an edge to the team with Dennis Condry, and that's why I think doing. St- uh, that's why I think Stan Lane and Condry, the effectiveness of basically switching Lane for Condry is so good because Stan Lane's like way slicker in the ring, so they become this like slick big city tag team. Versus this, at this point, it's. Bobby Eaton is the high flyer, and Dennis Condry is very much the, like, uh, he's the roughhouser, you know? He's rough and tumble, and he doesn't care what happens. Mm, yeah. Ooh, are you bruised? He's happy. Dennis Condry. But it's, like, two completely separate identities within the same team. Yola. Absolutely. It's, it's much more bull. They're much more bullies. It's much more like they're there to, they're, yeah. they're, like, they've taken the, the Rock and Roll Express feud could be based off the fact that... They've taken the money of the Rock and Roll Express. Pretty much. <laughs> they said they'd buy them beer and they didn't. Yeah. Oh, no. What's the worst thing about the Midnight Express? 
Mm, I'm going to say their physiques. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, there's something to be said for doing anything in the gym, even just stretching. Yeah. <laughs> Just drink near a gym. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that too. Like Kahlua, that that's got some fat you could burn off, I guess. <laughs> Pour vodka on an avocado. Just do something. Yeah, just if you heard of trying, no. <laughs> I I don't know what to say. What the worst thing is? I guess it's the thing. I guess it's just the what we talked about earlier, which is Dennis Condry just disappeared. I guess that's the worst thing. It's <laughs> like. How are you going to leave two people you know in the lurch like that? Like, that says a lot about you as a person more than anything. Because I think, honestly, wrestling-wise, you really couldn't have asked any more out of them. They overachieved for what their status in the company. Wrestling's changing, and we got Vince McMahon by the time it's 1987. Wrestling is, you know, WrestleMania 3. Wrestling's hotter than ever. Uh... But wrestling has changed where you do need to uh, at least drink Kahlua near a gym, as we talked about. But And Condry didn't kind of fit into that new thing, and he knew it, and he spaced out. But still, you don't even have to put in your two weeks. You don't e- Just leave a note. Like, do something. Don't just fucking disappear. Yeah, it's, but it's so Dennis Con- If Dennis Condry left a note, that would mean that we, he was dead. <laughs> no, if he was dead, he'd just leave a gun. Yeah. Don't need this anymore. Oh my God, Dennis is. He just he just leave a condom. Oh my God, he fucked himself to death. It was his dream. Dennis called his son. What happened to him? Oh my God, he must be sick. But Dennis knew about his son. (laughs) (laughs) So that is part one of the Midnight Express. Part two will be next week. That's the Sweet Stan Laniers and of course the Bodacious Bart. Bombastic Bob. Bombastic Bob. Oh God, what a fucking loser. That will be next week. Until then. Kiss my dick. I don't know. Fucking ja- jack off in a fucking closet jack. and uh, lick the walls. Do what Dennis Condry did. Jack <laughs> off into a Wendy's bag. Quiet enough that it doesn't wake Bobby. <laughs> and as we always say at the end of this, we'll plug this, but uh, we're going to do what? September 3rd, 5 p.m. The PayPal link uh, is now active. So make your donations. We need 30 people. Then we'll do a live show in London, England. Bitch. Yeah, you. Thank you for listening. Suck my dick. Please keep listening and tell people. We love you. You explain all of this, baby doll with the Midnight Express and Big Bubble. Well, there is no explanation because you see Jimmy Cornette laid up in a hospital bed. He's had knee surgery because of what the scaffold matches have done here because that is the most dangerous match in professional wrestling. And Road Warriors, tonight in Cleveland, it's all over for you because the Midnight Express is under my care, baby doll. There's no... We're out of control. And Road Warriors, once you get to the top of that scaffold and you start looking at the Midnight Express, that's when you know that that's your end. And tonight in Cleveland, that's the beginning of it. Let me tell you something, Tony Schiaffone. And you too, you big goons, Road Warriors. If you think for one second, fella, that this is all over, you're badly mistaken, Jack. Because I'm going to tell you something. Tonight in Cleveland, Ohio, you're going down. You're going down way down, fella, because I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. You think just because you heard one of the Midnight Express, it's all over. Everybody gets to laugh. Everybody gets to party. No, sir, baby. You are so, so very wrong because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen tonight in Cleveland. When we get on top of that scaffold, brother, we're going to get your head. And everything that's open on your head, we're going to close. And everything is closed, we're going to open. And then we're going to throw you off the scaffold like a big sack of 
potatoes. And let me tell you something, baby. If you think I'm mistaken, I'll show you tonight. Right, Bob? And if anybody thinks they're going to get after me, well, the baddest man in town is here. Bubba's going to take care of me, baby. Okay, baby doll, the Midnight Express and Big Bubba all together. Let's go back to the ring.